Welcome to Neighborhood Conversations. I'm Angie Woodworth. I'm one of the pastors at Neighborhood Church, and I'm so glad that we get to connect with you across these sound waves. In this episode of the podcast, we will be sharing the sermon from the first Sunday in Lent, February 26th. Um, This one is part of our Lent series of Digging In. The scripture for the sermon for this day was Matthew 4, chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Spirit led Jesus up into the wilderness so that the devil might tempt him. After Jesus had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was starving. The tempter came to him and said, Since you are God's son, command these stones to become bread. Jesus replied, It is written, people won't live only by bread, but by every word spoken by God. After that, the devil brought him into the holy city and stood him at the highest point of the temple. He said to Jesus, since you are God's son, throw yourself down. Since it is written, I will command my angels concerning you, and they will take you up in their hands so you won't hit your foot on a stone. Jesus replied, again, it is written, don't test the Lord your God. Then the devil brought him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He said, I'll give you all of these if you bow down and worship me. Jesus responded, go away, Satan, because it's written, you will worship the Lord your God and serve only him. The devil left him and angels came and took care of him. And we all say together that this is the word of God for all of us who are the children of God. And we say together, thanks be to God. God, you are good. And for that, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to get to be in this place with this wonderful crowd of folks today. God, some of your stories are hard. And in Lent, we just jump right in. So I pray that you will help us know you that you will help us grow with you, that you will speak through me and in spite of me, and that what we hear today, what we grow to learn and to know is your love for us and nothing else. I pray this in the name of Jesus, who knows the struggle and the temptation and all of what it is to be human. Amen. So, I don't know about y'all, but I kind of can't help but read this text and think of like, I mean, it depends on which era you grew up in, which image of this you'll have, but like the demon and the angel on the shoulder, right? Like if you're thinking Looney Tunes days, you're gonna have like the little red devil with the horns and the tail or whatever, right? Or like, and then the angel, I'm, I'm totally picturing Bugs Bunny in this, right? Like devil, Bugs Bunny, and then like angel, Bugs Bunny, right? Or if you're in some other things, sometimes there's like the person in like a nice white tuxedo and then the person in like a really nice stylish black tuxedo, right? I feel like that was maybe in How I Met Your Mother for Barney or something. I don't know. Um, There's all these images of that, right? Um, And it's a very common image of these two voices in our ears. And that's a little bit where we find Jesus today, right? Um, Except for he is the other voice himself, right? (laughs) Which is maybe a little harder. Um, But I think that this story is a little bit where that comes from too, right? And this sensation that everybody experiences some point in life of kind of that tug, right, 
of like, well, I could choose this. Oh, but maybe I should choose this, right? Now, Walter Brueggemann, um, a scholar whose um, book we are jumping off of, um, his book, A Way Other Than Our Own, um, he's got a devotions book, and we are jumping off of this loosely as a resource for uh, Lent this year, Um, along with this one that I can never pronounce the name of, Recipients um, by Transform Network. This is 2020's book. They have one that comes out every year. Um, It's Lent for Racial Justice, Um, but it's the same text. 2020, it cycles through the same text every three years. So we're using both of these as tools for Lent this year. But Walter Brueggemann talks about this text being about these two voices and that throughout our life, this is a struggle in living with God, right? And in just being human, right? We find ourselves caught between these two voices, one of God, of assurance and protection and grace and mercy, right? And then the other from something else. Here, the word Satan and devil are used. Um, if you go back to Greek, you're looking at the word the adversary, right? Um, there's not an idea the same way of this embodied Satan, like the red deviled horns thing that like we've come to sort of understand. It's, so it's hard. So I, I personally don't believe in an embodied being called the devil. And if you do, that's fine. I don't. Um, I do think that there's, we experience things that hold images and power of evil in the world, right, of that struggle that represent that struggle. Sometimes they're embodied in different ways, right, and we experience that. But also I know there's this huge human temptation to wrap that up and make it easy to contain and easy to blame things on. Well, the devil got in my way. Well, the devil was tempting me, because then it makes it outside of ourselves, right? But what if it is those two voices, right? And the something else, the adversary, that tug of easy promises and seemingly simple invitations, ultimately urging us to act against our faith, against the core of who we are. And Brueggemann proposes that we might could see our Lent and our journey all the way to Easter of placing ourselves between these conflicting voices to practice listening, to practice centering. Those of us who are able to gather on Wednesday evening for Ash Wednesday talked about how this work of getting ready for the resurrection is about figuring out and knowing and claiming fully who we want to be with God. God has named us and we celebrated the baptism um, uh, that many of us have experienced and that God offers all of us and that you are my child and with, with you I am well pleased, right? We talked in the last several weeks about how God offers us God's very word in flesh in Jesus as a light for each step of our path, right? And it's not easy. It's not magic, And sadly, we don't get text messages and like emails with maps attached or GPS directions for life, right? That's just not how it works. But there's probably also not only one way, right? 
It's up to us too, because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are beautifully created. We have free will in this. We get to co-create with God because that is part of being created in the image of God, is the power to create. And if we want to follow Christ, if we want to be one of these folks who walks in this way of flipping the world upside down, living a value and a moral that is different, which is what Christ does again and again and again. And if we want to walk towards this resurrection that defies the powers of the world, even death, who are you in that? Who do you want to be? And some of that's about which voice do you want to listen to? And we have to make decisions over and over and over in life with these voices summoning us. And so the work of Lent is to dig in, like the kids and I were talking about, and remove the things that are between us and God, or God's voice, or God's love, or just experiencing God's love, so that we can continue in the work of practicing and centering our lives in God's love and in that mercy and in that justice and in the liberation and practicing standing with others. So over time, it becomes easier to discern those two voices and respond out of our faith and our true identity, right? So this is it. This is the work of faith. What does it mean for you to be someone who lives in the way of Jesus? If you want to do that, what does it mean for you to center who God is and God's way of being in the world in your life? What's between you and that? What's between you and being able to fully experience God's love? Or, if you've made it that far, if you've found a practice of experiencing God's love, what's between you and being able to share that love? Right? And this isn't always easy. Dr. Nicole L. Johnson says it this way, as we're headed to Easter, right, we have to go through the cross before we get to resurrection. And again, some of this language may have been used in really aggressive ways in your experiences. Um, and I actually struggle with the image of the cross as an image of Christianity. I mean, it's so benign in some ways, but if you really think about it, I mean, it's a, a in that culture, right, it's a tool of execution, it's a weird image. And to me, I root my path in God in what comes beyond the cross, right? The resurrection moment. It's like you can't make a necklace out of an empty tomb quite as easily, though. Um, and so, but, but we can't get to that empty tomb if we don't go through death first. This is the story with God, and this is the story of creation this is the story of life and grief. You can't, I mean, the old kid's song, right? You can't go around it, you can't go under it, you can't go over it, you have to go through it, right? It's that bear hunt, right? Probably do that next week at Children's uh, Grow Kids stuff. And so we have to get to the hard places. We have to get to the real places where hard stuff happens. Sometimes there are consequences. Sometimes there is pain. Sometimes we give things up to get to the other side. And Nicole Johnson says, before we can pick up the cross, before we can get to that, we have to reject all that the cross is not. 
And this is where it gets a little bit tricky sometimes. The cross is not a symbol of prestige or of wealth or of power. And in this story and in many others, right, Jesus chooses obedience to the will of God, maybe a complicated phrase, over fame and fortune and political power. Dr. Michael Joseph Brown says he chooses obedience to the will of God over food and protection and power. And then Cain Hope Felder describes it as sustenance, choosing God over sustenance and magical power and political power. So basically, it's all this stuff that you could have that could be easy, that could make life better. And Jesus says, nope, I'm going to stick with God. And obedience to the will of God, right? Does anyone else, has anyone ever had that like finger waggingly kind of set at them and like obedience and will of God and actually had someone message me recently and said, I've always been taught, how do you deal with prayer? How do you, all these questions, Um, because I've always been taught that we should just be obedient to the will of God. And if God is giving me cancer, then I should be obedient to that will. And I think that is where that theology goes horribly astray because I do not believe God causes us bad things. I do not believe that to be obedient to the will of God is to believe that God is like inflicting punishment on you. That's not how it works. Bad things happen in the world because the world is a mess, right? Free will has made all kinds of messy things happen in the world. And we can talk more about that if you want. But I believe that the will of God is what Jesus was teaching us that we've been studying about over the last few weeks. The will of God is that everyone be able to be whole, that everyone be able to be seen and loved and have free ways to live, that everyone be able to experience the love and creativity of God that means being created in the image of God, right? So if we are obedient to that, we are obedient, we are working to align ourselves with creating that kind of world. Even when hard things happen, even when there's injustice, even when this other voice wants to give us an easy out. So what does this look like for us? I don't know what those little voices on your shoulders look like. I don't know what the adversary looks like or sounds like in your life. I think for a lot of us, it looks like self-interest, which may look like have, have um, the veneer of self-care. And self-care is real and aligned with God's will for wholeness and goodness and love. And self-care can be an excuse, right, to cover over an easy out. I would argue that for folks of privilege, right, and we know that intersectionality is a thing. So if you are white, if you are cisgender, if you are hetero, if you are of wealth, right, any of those things, and you are never out of your comfort zone, that is privilege, and that's the easy out, right? And the world will let you stay there, especially white folks, especially cishet white affluent folks. We have a lot of ability to just stay in our comfort zone and aligning ourselves with the real 
love of God that is hard and redemptive means being willing to get out of our comfort zones, right? Now, if you're learning, I think another way that you can know if this is happening is if you are learning and doing work and, I mean, we do tons of work here in social justice and in anti-racism and things like that, but nothing, no actions in your life are changing. Your life doesn't look any different. Which voice are you choosing? Because we can check boxes and be able to talk a good game and not actually be doing the work with God, right? Sometimes those voices take us all the way back. And there are voices in our, on our shoulders telling us, you are loved, you are good, you are wonderful. No, you'll, you're not. You're not enough. Nobody loves you that much. You're just so selfish. And when we try to set healthy boundaries in our lives with in toxic, with in toxic situations, things like that, that voice pushes louder and louder, right? But that is not the voice of God, right? Because the voice of God will always advocate for wholeness and does not need you to provide wholeness for all people, right? The voice of God argues for love for all people and wants you to just work the next step, right? The next step. You don't have to solve the world if, this, if the voice is telling you you're the hero of everything and you can save everyone. That might be the adversary voice, right? Because very few of us are called, well, even the folks who are called to be out front and leaders and all the things really struggled with what was right and what was not. Um, you can watch, we've been deep in the um, Black History Month documentary watching with my kids, and um, one of them's going on a trip with the SCLC women's group next week to Selma, and so we rewatched Selma, and, um, or she watched it for the first time. And part of that movie is Dr. King really struggling with what's the right thing, and what's the risk, and what's about him, and what's about the movement, right? Those voices... So how do we figure it out if the voice can say the thing that sounds like God, right? An old preacher uh, line is like, the devil quotes scripture too, right? Um, anyone can quote scripture. Anyone can use scripture out of context to tell us a story. I don't have a good answer because there's not an easy answer. So... If you, that's why you don't come to this church looking for like boxes to check and move on with your life with a complete answer wrapped in a bow because that's not the way it works. Sadly, the way that it works is that it takes time and practice and commitment and we keep listening and we keep trying and we keep discerning and if you're not sure which voice is which, you check it out with other people. That's why we don't do this alone, right? And we listen back with each other. We use scripture as a jumping off point, as a lamp, as a light in our path. We use these other practices to help us faith, to help us find our way. And in Lent, we take on a particular endeavor to make room for that listening, for that discernment, to see what's in the way. What's in the way of you being able to hear which voice? Or what's in the way of you being able to take the next step? You may have grown up with a practice of fasting, of giving something up for Lent, and that may be a really helpful practice for you. 
But I hope that you'll think about something that is actually helping you clear that dirt so you can dig in and do the hard work. What is it that you need to move out to make room for connecting with God? Or what is it that you need to add, right? What is it that you need to add in to be healthy and to help things grow? We're using this image of digging in because this is hard work. This is hard work, and it takes time, and it takes practice, and it is messy, and you get sweaty, and you get tired, and you don't have to do it alone. We do this work together, and God is always with us. After this moment of struggle and of exhaustion, 40 days in the Bible probably doesn't ever, most of the time, mean 40 days. It's a narrative device that means a long time, right? But fasting for a long time, Jesus is hungry. But it says the angels came and took care of him. We don't know what that means. It might mean a community came around him and had food ready and prepared and a bath ready. We can be each other's angels on this journey as we do this hard work. When it gets really hard, let us know that you need help, <laughs> and we'll sit with you, and we'll feed you, and we'll encourage you to take a nap, and then get up and do it again. So I hope that this Lent, you will let us know. You will schedule time to talk. You will think about what you need. You will find some kind of practice so that we can do this work to listen, to pay attention to which voices switch, and to clear out the things that are in the way between us and God, because one step at a time, next step at a time, next step at a time, we're making our way to resurrection, and I hope we'll be ready. Amen. Neighborhood Conversations produced by Neighborhood Church in Atlanta, Georgia. You can learn more about us at neighborhoodchurchatl.com, and on our website you can find links to our weekly live streams, and you can find out what's going on in the neighborhood. Find us on social media and don't forget to subscribe. Peace be with you.